Sims the freshman. Sims had to hustle it, and he's got it to give. He handles in. Oh, man, give. Touchdown. And now going for the end zone, and caught for the touchdown by Zay Flowers. Oh, he's coming pressure. He spins out of it. Now he's got to get rid of it. Has a receiver open to the end zone, and a touchdown. Into the boundary, Fitzpatrick juggled it, and it is intercepted. Divine Diablo comes away with the carol. And welcome to today's episode of the Pipeline ACC Podcast. I am Dan Siegel from ACC Content. I am joined, as always, by Jason Gibbs. Jason, here we are. We have a week three slate that is much better than the week two slate as far as ACC is concerned. Whether that's a good thing or not, we'll have to see based on the results. But how are you doing today? And beautiful as always. You're right. Uh, had a good week two, and you know it's time to turn the page. I can't believe we're already in week three, man. It's flying by. It does fly by. That's why you got to just appreciate every week because it's going to be over pretty soon. At least we have basketball after that. But <laughs> college football lasts is such a blessing, but it lasts so short. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, today we we have obviously our week three preview. We're going to do the normal stuff. We'll give our impressions of all the games, then we'll make our picks. But we're going to have John Eads join the show in just a minute to kind of provide his – he's obviously our Syracuse contributor. He also has some Big Ten background. There's a couple ACC versus Big Ten games this week, so I'll ask him about those. And obviously he covers the ACC in general, so we'll just discuss. Then we'll make – Jason and I will make our picks. But before we get him on, I just want your general impression, impressions, Jason, of this week three slate. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a good slate. It's a good, solid slate. There's not, you know, top five matchups or, or whatever, especially, you know, obviously in the ACC. But some interesting kind of make-or-break games, I think. You know, does Florida State, they're traveling two weight four, so they're going to drop to 0-3. And, and, you know, uh, the insider stuff that I'm kind of hearing from the Florida State side is they gave Mike Norvell pass last year uh, they didn't expect to be world beaters, but they need to see some improvement going forward. So that's going to be interesting. Big ACC matchup with UVA traveling to North Carolina. You know, Georgia Tech going to Clemson. Obviously, Clemson should handle them, but we, we kind of need to see Clemson get back on the tracks a little bit. You know, so far, they haven't really impressed. And, you know, Really sad. I mean, I, I know we've joked around about the Jakovic hype train, but really sad news that he's going to miss the year with that injury. So they travel to Temple, but, you know, I know Eagles fans' shoulders are, are really sagging. 100%. That is – I was very upset to hear that. Obviously, now the Atlantic division is much more wide open aside from Clemson. And I guess based on that oh, – we'll, we'll get into this with John, but I guess – we haven't really seen much of Wake Forest. They just played two very low-caliber teams. So the fact that they're only five-and-a-half-point favorites against Florida State may be a little bit telling of the biggest things to them. Big game for the wide-open Atlantic division. But without further ado, you ready to get John on? Let's do it. So we are now joined by John Eads, our Syracuse contributor here at Pipeline. John, I know your orange suffered a – Pretty bad loss to Rutgers last week. Pretty much an easier game against Albany this week. But how are you doing? I'm doing well. I was actually in the stadium in the Dome for that game, Dan and, and Jason, and it was an electric atmosphere. It was the first time that fans were at a Syracuse football game 
in a little over two years. So it was rocking and I had fun at that. So, you know, SU lost, but I think it was a moral victory and I had a good time. So I'm doing well. How about you guys? Yeah, doing all right. I appreciate you coming back on the show, John. You know, I love it. Uh, put out a great article today. I encourage anybody listening to, to go check it out. Uh, just talking about that Syracuse ceiling. And, you know, you, you were kind of predicted before the season uh, they may, might start out one and one. But, you know, they really seem to be – their defense really seems like it could be a stout defense going forward. I mean, how do you see it playing out? Yeah, you know, I got a lot of flack for saying that I think this is a championship-level defense, but really it's kind of the same scenario as what was playing out early last year when Syracuse went on the road and challenged North Carolina all the way up to the fourth quarter. Then they started to bend a little bit, and that ended up being a bit of a blowout on the road in Chapel Hill. But then the next week they went and played Pitt and held that explosive offense to just 21 points, and we're really starting to see that same good start this season. Now the question is, and I said this in my article can that continue? Because if it does, I think Syracuse can then have a chance at making a bowl game because all you need your offense to do, guys, is score more than seven points. Now, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. You know, the Babers and company still trying to find a quarterback, the right guy for the job, Tom and DeVito, Garrett Schrader. But you got a great running back in Sean Tucker, and the big playability has been there. The, you know, the thing is, you got to hit those big plays, and you got to settle on your quarterback, and really, you just got to get the offense going. I think that's the solution. Yeah, and speaking of, you know, very good defensive teams that struggle a lot on the offensive side of the ball, we do have two ACC versus Big Ten matchups this week. I know you are a Big Ten guy yourself. In uh, We got Duke and Northwestern. Northwestern only three-point favorites, which is very interesting because they started out the year with, like, regarded as a very good team. They suffered a bad loss to Michigan State who actually is playing Miami this week, Miami six-and-a-half-point favorite. So you look at these two games, John, and I'll let Jason chime in after you. What do you see for, you know, the ACC? And just in general, what are your takes? Well, the ACC certainly needs a little bit of a reputation boost because it really hasn't been a good start for the conference, especially in these non-conference games. I mean, Syracuse losing the rut. It's kind of like when you get to basketball season, you got the Big Ten ACC challenge. Kind of the same thing, but now on the football field, right? Uh, Big Ten's had the upper hand, and I think they will this week as well. Uh, one of my locks of the week, I think, is Michigan State plus six. This line's moved a little bit between six and eight, but I think Michigan State will definitely cover the spread as six-point underdogs on the road to Miami have not been impressed with what the Hurricanes have shown so far this season. And I watched, actually, Michigan State play Northwestern. They got a running back, Kenneth Walker. I know you guys probably know him from Wake Forest. Absolute stud, and his talents and skills have, have carried over seamlessly to the Spartans' backfield, and he's carrying that offense. Also got Peyton Thorne, a talented quarterback. So I think Michigan State maybe wins that one outright, but I think definitely covers the six-point spread. And then on the other side of it, Northwestern Duke. I think Northwestern wins simply because Duke lost to Charlotte and didn't look very impressive against North Carolina A&T either. I'm just not a buyer in the Blue Devils so far, and I've seen Northwestern play, you know, the same old Pat Fitzgerald team there. Not the greatest Northwestern team that they've had in the past couple of years, but enough to beat uh, Duke, I think, by more than three points. So, Yeah, it'll be interesting. I saw someone online, I think it was on Twitter, that they said this is – Northwestern and Duke is one half of the nerd bowl. I guess Stanford's playing Vanderbilt. So <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> but, but, you know, John just had some suffered, you know, quite a bit of injuries throughout the AC, throughout the country, really, but especially in the ACC, if you can't talk a little bit about a team like Boston college, maybe a plucky team 
kind of losing their head guy, Phil Dracovic, and, and kind of where they go, do, do you see their ceiling really just crash down, or, or can they kind of pull the pieces together? Definitely. I'm not sure if Dracovic's going to be out for the rest of the year or not. I think there was a little bit of debate with that, but it looks like it's something that's going to keep him on the sideline for this foreseeable future, and that is a huge hit to this Boston College team. The backup is Dennis Grossell. I believe he should be the backup. He has actually started a game against Syracuse in 2019. He's a former walk-on, and he's serviceable, but he's nowhere near the talent that Phil Dracovic is. Now, everywhere else on that team, you still got Zay Flowers. You still got Travis Levy in the backfield, that great offensive line, a pretty good defense as well. So the ceiling's definitely dropped, but I think the floor is still there for them to succeed. The question is, what are you going to get out of Grossell? It's really been tough to see all these injuries so early in the season, and really it's been like the best player on all the teams in the ACC, Peyton Wilson at NC State, James Mitchell at Virginia Tech, that really prolific tight end, and now, of course, Phil Dracovic, the quarterback at Boston College. Really tough to see for the conference, and I think, and I said this in my article, I think it's going to shake up the entire conference, and in terms of a Syracuse perspective, might help the Orange make a bowl game this year. Yeah, I definitely talked about that, the fact that the Atlantic division is just, I mean, Every single team has its doubts pretty much besides Wake Forest. And the only reason they don't have doubts is because we just haven't seen them against an actual like mediocre to above average team. Because you look at the division, Clemson, obviously, we saw them struggle a lot offensively against Georgia. And then we didn't even see the same kind of Clemson against South Carolina State. You look at NC State, now they, they lost to Mississippi State. They have the Peyton Wilson injury. Louisville is just not a great general. Florida State lost to an FCS school. Boston College struggled against UMass. I was at that game, and they now they have Phil Dracovic hurt. So that that does definitely open up opportunities for any team in the Atlantic, obviously Syracuse included, to win some games. I think there's basically that group of six. There's a lot of toss-up games. They'll kind of beat up on each other and all kind of, I feel like, go to a record in between, like, three and five, five and three in the yep. ACC. But um, which, where do you want to go next? How about Virginia Tech, West Virginia? That's a very yeah. good uh, ACC versus Big 12 matchup. Are you as shocked as I am that West Virginia is three-point favorites in this one? I'm not because West Virginia, I think, is a good team. They haven't gotten off to the most ideal start. They would have loved to beat Maryland in the opener. It was a pretty tight game, but they ended up losing and taking the L. Uh, down to the Terrapins. Now, Virginia Tech obviously was on a national stage, enter Sandman and all that, got the upset against North Carolina. They look like a good team. I want to see how well this offense can continue to play without James Mitchell. He's such a big part of their passing game as a tight end. He also flexes out as a wide receiver, one of my favorite players in the ACC this year. So I want to see how the Hokies can do without him. But defensively, you still got all the pieces, and I think you have enough to beat this West Virginia team on the road. Yeah, I mean, they always say defense travels, so it'll be a – and West Virginia can be a hostile environment, so, mm-hmm. you know, definitely be an interesting, an interesting one. John, talk about Virginia and North Carolina. I actually was shocked when I saw the line was UNC minus nine. I figured the Tar Heels being at home that they'd be favored, but almost a double-digit favorite, especially with – you know, how well and how gritty Virginia is. And, you know, UNC, obviously, they they really, you know, kind of crap the bed versus Virginia Tech. But um, they played okay against Georgia State. Sure, they covered, but it wasn't like, 
it was obviously a step down, especially offensively from last year. What do you what do you make of that? I think the line's a little fat. Nine points is a little much. I, I kind of like Virginia's chances to cover that spread there because you said it. It's always a gritty team. It's a disciplined team. They come to play every single week. Now, North Carolina, we haven't really seen that so far. Went on the road. Like like you, I touched on it. You just touched on Jason. Lost to Virginia Tech in really surprising fashion. Haven't really seen the Tar Heels team that we expected in 2021. This is a team that I think, we, I think the media picked to win the ACC uh, or at least compete. Uh, and win that coastal division certainly haven't looked like the world beaters that we expected coming into the year. I was high on them personally coming into the season has not looked like uh, they're that team to win the coastal and beat Miami. But then again, Miami hasn't been impressive either. Uh, so it's looking, looking like, uh, you know, it's a wide open race down there, but Virginia, a solid team. Brennan Armstrong has been prolific at quarterback thus far. They have all the pieces at wide out and the, the running back as well. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. Maybe Dan can. Uh, and a great defense as well, led by Bronco Mendenhall. So I think Virginia could definitely cover in that game. And if UNC plays sloppy and undisciplined like they did in week one, could lose it. So, yeah, UVA has beaten North Carolina the last, I think, four years. Someone could check me on that. But oh. uh, including the first two years of the uh, Mac Brown era, and both of those games were very good. They were shootout-type games uh, the first year, 2019, being Bryce Perkins carrying Virginia over – uh, Sam Howell, and then in 2020, it being, I mean, sort of Brennan Armstrong, but I feel like it was kind of UVA just pulling everything out of their playbook, being creative and out scheming North Carolina. And both of those games, Sam Howell played extremely well. So I am looking forward to another very good game. I'm expecting the high scoring over under is 66 and a half. So that kind of agrees with me, but it's just, I don't know. I think the streak might end this year. I do like UVA plus nine, a little bit of a spoiler for my prediction, but I'm just, I'm not sure. I I think it's a toss up, but if I I had to go with one, I'd say UNC outright, just because I think if it comes down to offense versus offense, I think UVA might finally somewhat come down to earth, but like I said, like I said, their defenses look much, much better. So it's a very difficult game to pick. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not a huge believer in the UNC offense after scoring just 10 points against Virginia tech, albeit a good defense that the Hokies have, but we expected this UNC offense to be rolling and hitting the ground running with a lot of big pieces back. Obviously you lose the running backs, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, and you lose Daz Newsom and other pieces on the outside, Deami Brown. But, you know, you got Sam Howell back, and he's been running in the offense for a couple of years now. Same offensive coordinator, staff continuity is big, and a good amount of offensive line pieces back as well. And it's, it's been a slow start, and uh, we'll see if it can pick up against the Cavs, I guess. What else do we have? We have, oh, we have a pretty good Friday night game, UCF at Louisville. UCF a little bit – I'm a little bit surprised they're not more than seven – they're not more than seven-point favorites. UCF is – not the same UCF that they used to be, but they're still pretty solid. They're especially offensively. Dylan Gabriel at quarterback is very good. He's got a solid start. He is a gunslinger, so he could take risks, but he loves to throw the ball downfield. Maybe you, Louisville could capitalize on his over aggressiveness and get some turnovers. But the defense was the issue last year. They had trouble stopping the pass versus Boise State. They ended up actually containing the run when Boise State was trying to iced the game and ends up what a game that was yeah they ended up allowing uh UCF to come all the way back from down 21 so there's that but I don't know I 
I just don't trust Louisville's offense enough to be able to exploit even a bad defense like UCF. But then again, I maybe Ole Miss has improved defense. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And Dan, you and I have been going back and forth about Louisville for a lot of the offseason. I just want it to be known. I have them going two and 10 this year. Okay. I don't expect anything out of this Louisville team and especially not in this game. I expect UCF not to run all over them. I think the line being at a touchdown is pretty fair. I think they'll end up winning by two possessions, but uh, it's It's going to be a highly offensive game and the Cardinals still need to figure out who their wide receivers are going to be. They're starting to get that running game going a little bit, but been a bit of a slow start. Malik Cunningham, he needs to transfer, I think. He needs to go to a school where he can actually flourish in an offense that has pieces around him. He does do well in Satterfield's system, I think, but he has nobody around him to help him out, so he's literally doing everything. Uh, he's kind of like a Lamar Jackson-esque player, and I think his talents are being wasted. But uh, zoning it back into this game, I expect the, uh, the Black Knights to roll this weekend on Friday. You know, you mentioned, you, you know, you mentioned um... – Satterfield and we know you know he, he kind of flirted with South Carolina in the offseason and it kind of ended up blowing up in his face and he kind of had to you know seemingly tried to rally the troops and it hasn't worked out great so far if he ends up with a two and ten record do you see this being his last year in Louisville I do it's not a great team that they have roster wise but no reason why you should be going two and ten and at that point I don't think I projected any ACC wins. I, I don't, I'm looking up and down the schedule. Uh, maybe Duke, maybe Duke that, that even though who knows with that one, if you go two and 10 at Louisville with a roster, that's good enough to at least win four to five games. I just have no faith in this team. Uh, I don't think there's any way you bring Satterfield back. Yeah. Even the players have expressed their dissatisfaction, the, not the current players, but like the former players, I think Makai Becton said something, maybe Jair Alexander, I'm not sure, but that that's a powerful voice. So I agree. If Louisville really goes downhill this season, like they're trending. I don't think Satterfield is back, but uh, John, just before you go, we got two games that we didn't really touch on much Georgia tech and Clemson and Western Michigan pit. Those games are big spreads. Any hot takes on that? You think either of them will be close? Well, I saw Western Michigan play against Michigan in week one, and they have some pieces to be good, but I don't, I'm not necessarily sure I want to put any points on the Broncos. Now, there could be a situation where Pitt's coming off an emotional high, going on the road, beating Tennessee in a rowdy, tough SEC environment, getting a program-defining win, maybe a season-defining win. It's not a good UT team they have this year, but that's still a good win. I mean, it's not every day you see an ACC team go on the road and go toe-to-toe with an SEC school and beat them. So perhaps Western Michigan could take advantage of an emotional letdown there. Like I said, they have pieces to be good, but I saw them get blown up by Michigan in week one, and Michigan's not you – know, Michigan's looked good so far, but I'm not buying into the Kool-Aid, drinking that Kool-Aid, I should say, just yet. So maybe on that one, if you're feeling ambitious. As far as Georgia Tech-Clemson, that line being at 28 and a half, I mean, I'm rolling Clemson here. Nothing I've seen from Georgia Tech has given me any kind of hope or any reason to believe that they could cover this spread. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but Jeff Sims is out with an injury, uh, and they've really struggled to get their offense going. Is he out with an injury? Yeah, Jordan Yates will be starting. Yes, okay. So, yeah, that even bolsters my case even more because if you weren't good enough to start over Jeff Sims, no offense to Jeff Sims, I think he's going to be good in a couple of years, but he's not that guy yet. So if you weren't good enough to start over him, there's no way you're good enough to – uh, compete with Clemson, go against that defense. The only way this spread wouldn't be covered is if Clemson doesn't score enough points because their offense has gotten off to a pretty dismal start. 
Yeah, well, thank you very much, John. Jason and I will get to our predictions uh, in a sec, but I appreciate you coming on, providing your insight, providing your passion. Uh, go Orange this weekend. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on once again. Thanks for having me, guys. So very good stuff from John. We are back here, just me and Jason, about to make our uh, predictions for the week against the spread like we have done before in the first two weeks. Jason leads me 17 to 16 in the scoring. Remember, it works. We get one point for a correctly picked game against the spread in uh, the ACC. You also get your choice of three non-ACC games. You have a lock, which you lose one if you get it wrong. And you pick a double-digit underdog, which you get two points if they win outright. So, Jason, you want to go down the line? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so – Let's start with UCF and Louisville. UCF, I have them at seven-point favorites. What are you thinking? You know what? It's a Friday night game. It's tough to come into the pizza box and just blow Louisville out. I actually like the cards here, plus seven. Me too, actually. I was expecting you to take UCF, and I thought we'd kind of be opposed to each other here. But I'm not sure. Like, uh, Louisville, I, I picked them. Like, I was very confident with that pick week one, not only them potentially covering that 10 point spread against Ole Miss, but winning outright. And Mm -hmm. obviously that did not happen. That did not come close to happening. So if Louisville kind of disappoints me again, maybe I'll be done picking them so confidently, but I think they're able to get closer. John obviously has no confidence in him. So if he's right, then then we'll be on the losing end. But I, I feel like every year there's one game in the pizza box that, that Louisville either upsets somebody or they keeps keep it pretty close. And I feel like this is the game. I still have a little bit of faith in their defense. I will give them the Ole Miss has a very good offense card and say, I'll, I'll stick to my preseason take that they do have an improved defense. Yeah. Well, we'll see. All right. Next one, we got Michigan State at Miami. Miami six and a half point favorites. Yeah. I mean, God. I, I would feel so unconfident taking Miami. I, I just haven't liked what I've seen. I've stated, you know, in the past in our one of our award-winning podcasts, multiple probably, that I just feel like the, the wheels are going to come off for Miami. I was surprised that this was six and a half. I felt like as well as Michigan State's played, and, you know, it's kind of like a sleepy game at noon. It's a good good chance for a road team i just can't talk myself into the hurricanes i just can't so i'm gonna i'm gonna go with sparty here i'm actually gonna go miami i'm gonna go post to you by the way very excited like john said to see kenneth walker he is absolutely lighting it up in that michigan state offense he's got 30 carries for 321 yards and five touchdowns this season but i don't know i like miami i still have a little bit of faith in their offense i'm just trying to um, not overreact to what we've seen uh, the first two weeks and kind of just stay stay with, like, my general takes. And I think that Miami, like I've said, I don't really believe they're a fantastic team, and I don't think they're going to win more than eight games with their schedule. But this is a game I think that they should handle, and uh, I'm not super high on Michigan State, despite their win over Northwestern, who clearly Vegas is not too high on either. Right. All right, I'll, I'll start with this one. Western Michigan at 15-point favorites for the Panthers. I'm going to go with Western Michigan against this spread. Western Michigan has a 
very good run offense uh, that one-two punch. They have good corners on defense. They're pretty gap sound, so they won't be overly aggressive, which might be a give Pitt's offense a little bit of trouble. Um, obviously, Pitt's defensive line is good, so we might see this as a more low-scoring game, but I, I could see Pitt's offense slowing down a little bit, maybe a 23-10 victory for Pitt, which would mean that Western Michigan covers the spread. Yeah, so the over-under is at 60, so it's a little bit higher than I would have expected. And, and to your point, Western Michigan, you know, Ladarius Jefferson running back, you know, having a, a solid year. I actually like John's angle. I like Pitt, emotional win um, at Heinz Field South or Neyland Stadium, as we mentioned last pod. I'm going with Western Michigan as well. All right. Cool. And then uh, next up, we got Albany at Syracuse, 26 and a half point favorites for the orange. I'm going to go with Albany. Just don't see Syracuse's offense scoring that many points. Their defense might hold them to single digits, but like even Syracuse in the past uh, against uh, lower level competition, they wouldn't like blow them out like they should. They'd win more like 27 to three, 30 to seven type games. So I see that happening. Yeah, I, that, that offense has been so anemic. I, I think what it would come down to would be could the Orange get a, you know, either a defensive touchdown, special teams touchdown, or a turnover, you know, deep in, in Albany territory. I think that would be the difference of whether they cover or not. What, what is it, 26 and a half? Yeah. Um, kind of with you. I, this is a game that – you know, really rock solid teams would just put it away. And I, I just don't think we can say that about the orange offense. So I'm, I'm going to go Albany plus 26 and a half. All right. Next, we got Boston College 16 point favorites at Temple. So first they go to UMass, then they go to Temple. So two road games against teams, Boston College is significantly better than that's something of note. Temple is a team I've been on in my non-ACC bets twice. They, I got it wrong when they lost to Rutgers 61-14. I got it right when they beat Akron 45-24. to I think they are strong in the trenches on defense against the run, which is a little bit of a minor concern for me because Boston College, historically in the Jeff Halfley era, has not run the ball very well. Dennis Grossell is the backup quarterback, so we might look to check downs and run plays in order to open up things for him. So I don't think Boston College necessarily loses, but I'm actually going to take Temple to cover this spread. Yeah, I mean, 16 seemed seemed pretty inflated when the uh, Jakovic news came out. I thought it would drop a little bit. Didn't really see that, but I'm with you. Temple at home has a chance to kind of maybe prove something against the Eagles. So many uncertainties now with, with your head guy, Dracovic, out and, and Grossell coming in. Like John mentioned, that we do have Zay, they, you know, have Zay Flowers, Trey Berry, and, and company in the passing game. But can they get enough points to cover a 16-point spread? I say no. Because their defense is also very concerning. Uh, four touchdowns in the second half to one of the worst offenses in the FBS. So – that's not a good sign. All right, next up is Virginia Tech at West Virginia. I'll let you go first with this one. Yeah, so a uh, couple of couple of uh, accounts that I trust, they they really like Virginia Tech plus three. 
but that to me seems like a sucker bet. You know, a ranked team. We're just th- talking about general public, right? General public bets. Uh, you know, favorites and overs. And there's no way the public money's not coming in on Virginia Tech plus three. They're, you know, they, they have to. So I always like to swim upstream. I'm actually going uh, Mountaineers minus three. Maybe I am buying into the sucker bet because I'm taking Virginia Tech and I'm locking that up. I just do not see West Virginia as a superior team to Virginia Tech. Now they're three-point favorites at home, so let's assume that they're valued as even. And I know maybe Virginia Tech might be a little bit – like they deserve their ranking at, what are they, 14, 16? 15, they, deserve their yeah. ranking. they deserve that they're 15. They deserve that ranking, but maybe they're not the 15th best team in true talent. But still, I think they are a little bit better than West Virginia. So at the three-point underdog spot, I'm going to give them that, and I'm going to lock it up. Virginia Tech. Oh, man. All right. Go Mountaineers. Let's do it. <laughs> Just kidding. And then uh, next up, Georgia Tech at Clemson, 28-and-a-half-point favorites for the Tigers. Um, I'm going to take Clemson, not because I'm so confident in the Tigers, but I just don't see Jordan Yates and the Yellow Jackets really doing much more in offense than they did last year. I just have not seen enough out of Georgia Tech. Offensively, have not seen that their defense could step up and get stopped. So I'm picking Clemson against this 20 yeah, what, what was the score last year? Like 100 to 2? I mean, it was bad, wasn't it? Yeah. I think it was 72 um, to 3 or something. Yeah, something. <laughs> I don't think it'll quite be that. Listen, I, I'm with you. I'm going to take the Tigers, but I don't think this is a slam dunk. I think they could definitely um, – they, they've seemed to struggle a little bit and – I think they cover, but I'm I, I just I don't know what to think of them right now. I don't know what to think of them on offense right now. Obviously, the defense rock solid, but I'm just I'm just nervous about them. Yeah, because against South Carolina State, they weren't really able to throw the ball much. DJ Uyunglele made some mistakes. He obviously had some wide open receivers and like little ten yard routes. He was able to hit them, and then they made plays after the catch. But mostly, uh, Clemson pulled away by just running the ball. So. I don't have much confidence in Clemson's offense. Like I said, there's more of just a George anti-George yeah. attack. Thing. I mean, you think about games like that. You think about like Oklahoma playing, you know, whoever, the Citadel or whatever. Those are the games where you, you look at the stat line and Spencer Rattler is, you know, 20 for 22, 400 yards and five touchdowns in the second quarter. You know what I mean? So when Uwe Ungle like didn't do that, that that gave me a little bit of concern. Now, maybe it's just a one-game thing, but we now have two games of him underperforming. So it'll definitely merit watching going forward. All right, next up, Florida State at Wake Forest, five-and-a-half-point favorites for the Deacons. We don't know much about the Deacons, but we do know that Florida State has not been the Florida State, even we expected them to be before the year, losing to Jacksonville State. Yes, this does seem like a sucker bet, but I think five and a half is way too low. I am high on the Demon Deacons, especially offensively. I think they have a solid defense. So this is their first game. They haven't shown too much on film because they played, what, Old Dominion and an FCS school. So I think Wake wins by a touchdown at least. Yeah, I I feel I, I am back on the this seems like a sucker bet thing, right? 
And we, we did see a team like Vanderbilt who got blown out by 20 at home to an FCS team. And they come back the next week and win, win outright. Did Florida State have that? I mean, they have to have had such a wake-up call. I hate to do this, but I'm going to talk myself into the Seminoles. I'm going Seminoles plus five and a half. All right. I'm sure – listen, it's going to be – 30 to three in the third quarter. I'm going to be kicking myself, but. Hey, backdoor covers do happen. I'm kidding. Uh, all right. Northwestern minus three at Duke. I know Northwestern is clearly not the team that we thought they were at the beginning of the year, but come on. I think I'm not even giving Duke three points of home field advantage, first of all, because their crowd just won't be that to that capacity. And second off, I think Northwestern is more than three points better. So I I almost made this one my lock, but I don't want to go anti-ACC with my lock, but I am definitely pretty confident in Northwestern in this one. Yeah, I I just – it's hard to make a case. You know, even, you know, uh, Duke versus A&T, you know, the, the final score was probably a little bit exaggerated of what the game was actually like. Uh, so I, I'm going – you know, Wildcats, or, yeah, minus three. Next up, we already alluded to this one. UNC at Virginia, probably game of the week. I think it's going to be a very close one. Shootout, I don't think UNC pulls away by more than nine points. I don't even know if they win this game, so I'll go with UVA. Yeah, I just – this line came out, and like I said, my jaw hit the floor because I thought this cannot be real. This seems almost too much, so – I'm going UVA plus nine. I'm contemplating. I'm going to leave it floating. I'm contemplating making this my lock. Okay. Well, we got one more. So do you want to lock yours at Furman NC State, or do you want to lock this one? Oh, that's right. The, the lock has to be ACC, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then, yeah, I'll lock, I'll lock Virginia plus nine. You're locking the hoops. Got it. All right, so, yeah, our last one, Furman at NC State. What are you thinking for this? 29 and a half, by the way. Yeah, really tough news with NC State um, losing Peyton Wilson for the year. He's really the heart and soul of that, that defense. Go on the road to Mississippi State, get embarrassed, to be honest. Just played absolutely terrible. And it's such a letdown for Wolfpack fans, especially after that great opening win on our – a win on opening nights, I should say. I'm going to go NC State. I think they're embarrassed. They come out fired up, you know, a heavy dose of Bam Knight and Ricky Person. Larry gets his sea legs back under him and, and puts some points on the board. So I'm going NC State. All right, I'm going to go Furman. I just – I simply think Furman is a pretty good FCS school. They had two convincing win over other FCS schools. I think they are in the FCS top 25. So – I, I think they're able to – like 29 is a pretty big spread for that to be the case, and I have a lot of question marks about the pack now. I don't think this is an FSU situation, but I didn't think FSU was going to be an FSU situation. But, yeah, either way, I'm picking Furman plus 29 and a half. How about Furman's quarterback's name, Hamp Sisson? What a great name. Damn. Furman, Furman's one of those schools that – they're one of those, like, basketball uh, – did they upset someone this year, or were they, like – upset watch at least in the uh, tournament I think, they, I think they yeah I think it was it was either this year or a year a prior year I can't remember but yeah I, I definitely remember that let's see 
looking that at this up. Uh, they upset Villanova? Did they? Yeah, they did. It, in, the regu- in the regular season of 2018. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Hey, splicing a little b-ball in. Watch out. Sure. Well, we're going to have to embed some basketball preview because – It'll be starting during the season, during the football season. So that's true. Foreshadowing a little bit for the future. Foreshadowing. We got uh, three non-ACC games that we get to pick. Just any of them that we like. I'll give you mine first. I like Oklahoma State plus four and a half against Boise State. I might even pick Oklahoma State money line on that. Cincinnati minus three and a half at Indiana. Not high in the Hoosiers based on what I've seen so far. And in general, I think they were – Pretty fraudulent last year, and Michael Pierce at quarterback has not shown too much. And then I might call me a little biased, but how about this one? UMass plus 19 and a half against Eastern Michigan. I watched <laughs> these minute then last week. There is no way they're 19 and a half points worse. So those are my three. Yeah. So for me, I'm going. Um, I actually like, I saw this. This was the first road game, Auburn a big 10 road game that Auburn's played since 1931. Ooh. I know you were at that game, Dan, so you can you probably comment on it. Uh, but I'm actually, I actually like Penn state. Uh, what are they? Five and a half. I like Penn state to, to actually cover. Um, additionally, I liked Kansas state. They are at home uh, versus Nevada. They are plus two. How about Wazoo? at home plus eight and a half versus the Trojans. USC obviously fired Clay Helton. And sometimes these games can go either way, right? They can kind of rally around the new guy or it can totally fall apart. And so I'm going to roll the dice and go Wazoo plus eight and a half. That's, yeah, that's an interesting game. I thought about that one too. Kansas State plus two, I did not really want to touch particularly, but um, that would be a good one against Nevada. Nice little uh, low-level power five against high-level group of five. I love those matchups. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Um, all right, double-digit dog. I'm going to go Fresno State, who is plus 11.5 against UCLA. I think that they have a pretty good chance of winning that one. Um, nice little Mountain West versus Pac-12. Yeah, Dan, I'm actually going I'm going right with you. I'm going with Fresno State plus 11.5. I think UCLA could turn on the Jets and blow them out. But let's think about Fresno State here. You know, they go on the road uh, against Oregon. I think that was at the zoo and really give them a run for their money. Oregon proceeds to go on the road and really handle Ohio State in in a tough environment at the horseshoe. I think kind of lost in that whole thing was that, hey, Fresno State's actually pretty good. So give me the Bulldogs. Hopefully they cover. I'd love for them to win outright. Yeah, it's definitely one of those picks where I'm going more on the value that I think there's a chance that they win rather than the plus 11 and a half thing. Because I, yeah, I agree. It's either UCLA blows them out or it's a dog fight. So we'll see. Hopefully we are, uh, we've been more efficient as a whole week two versus week one. Hopefully we can get even better week three, but more importantly, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. I am Dan at ACC Content. Jason is at Pipeline. And you continue to interact with us there. We love to do it. So uh, with that being said, once again, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on the Pipeline ACC Podcast.